Texas, you're United States of America. What's up, peeps, freaks, and geeks? Welcome to another edition of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, now powered by thegorillaposition.com and presented by Hameen Media. On this episode, we've got a little bit of news and notes for you, and then we're talking some Ring of Honor final battle. But before we jump in, it's my obligation to tell you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. We're talking creative. We're talking the business behind the business that is this crazy world known as professional wrestling. You can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod. Find us on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Shoot us an email at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. Joined as always alongside my Huckleberry, RBV. Rick, welcome to your show. It's me. It's me. It's at RBV13. Jargo, what is your age, sex, and location? You want to know my ASL? Hey, man. I know I know we're here to converse on the news, notes, and happenings in pro wrestling, uh, but I would feel remiss if we did not talk about the end of American Online Messenger. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know when. I know when me and you were young, and this grand old internet was exploding. Man, it was all about the A to the O to the L, brother. I was never an AOL guy. I was on Yahoo. Always Yahoo. You've never went over and checked out American Online. Um, I I had a username, um, and I think I checked it out after the fact. After I was already on Yahoo, and I was like, "This sucks. I'm going back to Yahoo." Oh, no way, brother. I was never an AOL guy. Never an AOL guy. Well, what, what was your handle over there? Do you remember? Jokes on me. Jokes on me, Jargo, at AOL.com. Man, I, <laughs> see, I, I, I ended up, uh, I started on, on the internet just prior to uh, when you actually had those big servers like AOL. But then when this boom came around, man, this is when it took off for me, man. Loved all the chat rooms. I used to think, uh, you know, funny now that... That we actually are a part of the Hacker Hameen Media Group. Because back then I used to think I was a hacker. Uh, that's, when I learned, that's when I learned how to start writing programs and all that, man. I was all into the war as scene. You know, I thought I was like some big badass. Um, yeah. It was it always was fun, fun in games in until you came across somebody who really knew what the fuck they were talking about. Uh-oh. You froze on me. Girls or so and... Well, then you come to realize, yeah, you know, hey, baby, what's going on? You know, where you at? Blah, blah, blah. You're, you're having a good time. Then a couple of years later, you realize you were probably just getting some uh, some old pervert sitting in his basement off. So. <laughs> oh, tremendous. But, hey, hey, but, that's, but that's even where I got into the online wrestling scene. You know, WWE had a huge partnership with AOL. Uh, you know, at one point. Uh, Sonny was the most downloaded celebrity on the internet. That was all thanks to AOL. And they had a whole community of like live chats and all that. So that's where I started getting in that. And that's where I found bulletin boards, and which kind of led to, to what we have today with uh, discussion forums and now Facebook groups and, and a hell podcast and all that. So for me, it all started with AOL. You've got mail. Yeah, no, I was always a Yahoo guy. I was so happy when Gmail came around. Now, see, I, I didn't. I never enjoyed the Yahoo chats and all that. I don't think they were as user friendly. I didn't think they were as interactive. Because I gave Yahoo a shot, but man, I, I was I was AOL. Let us know. 
HTMPWPod. Were you a Yahoo guy or were you an AOL guy? Let us know about them handles. Let us know about uh, all that you love there. there. Hey, man, role play. Did you ever do the role play wrestling back then? Uh, no, I didn't exactly do that. We had um, what we called e-feds. Did you have e-feds? Yeah, that's the same thing. Yeah, the e-feds. Okay, yeah, yeah. I did, I did do one of those because it was ran by my buddy Todd, who actually you're, you're, still runs my fantasy football league. But, uh, yeah, we, we, we had I, 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 one. You the name of your, your... Uh-oh, you broke up on what me. What was the name of it? Do you remember? Oh, wow. Do you remember the name of it? How about, how about your character? Oh, Jimmy Hancock. You were Jimmy Hancock. What was the gimmick there? J- Jimmy Hancock is, you know, he was basically Mr. Perfect. I still, I still to this day, I've got Jimmy Hancock okay. on uh, WWE 2K18. Although he's oh, he's nice. very much evolved See? into a, a, a like a uh, AJ Styles, Shawn Michaels, Tyler Breeze kind of hybrid character at this point. So he's had to evolve over the years. Yeah, yeah. He uses that uh, seated super kick. We call it the mediocre kick. Oh, nice. Uh, we, we, I was man, I was really big into that. I actually, I had ran, I run my own promotion. Uh, I probably I had that thing going for probably like a year and a couple months. Uh, then I would jump into some other ones, but but my first character, my favorite character that I had was the live wire uh, Shane Dallas. Ooh, how, who was how, how southpaw sounding is that? The live wire. Oh yeah, uh, he actually had started off as the Skywalker Shane Dallas uh, when he was in a tag team I had with a guy named Johnny Morton. They were like my rockers thing, and then I evolved the live wire Shane Dallas into like my Shawn Michaels character. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, enough reminiscing, man. Hey, but hey, but anyone out there listening, uh, either either subject there, man, hit us up about American American Online or EFEDS Role Play Wrestling Days, man. Let us know about your characters, what you got going on, the ins and outs. Dude, well, this is probably something fun we could check back in on. Well, here's what we're gonna do on this show. We've got just a little bit of news that we wanted to hit off the top of the show, and then we're gonna go into the Ring of Honor Final Battle review. Um. So I guess let's kick it off with the NXT news. NXT and Tribute to the Troops numbers, you found both of them. NXT, 841,000 viewers, number 22 in Cable's top 150. Uh, Tribute to the Troops, 1.4 million viewers. A couple of things I would like to know that we have absolutely no idea what the numbers look like. Uh, I would be curious to know what the weekly NXT viewership is on the network and what it was this week. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, that'd be pretty interesting to compare. I mean, just looking at these basic, what, what's your first thing? I know you're you're a huge numbers guy. I mean, you're, you're on top of these things every week. Uh, well, you follow the trends. 841,000 isn't terrible in any means, especially I wonder how many people tuned in just to see the main event because they thought the show was going to be starting at 7 because they did it one hour earlier than WWE programming typically comes on. And I wonder if that played into this number at all as well. Well, well first of all, let me correct you. you know, it, it did start at 7 because the world runs on Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, okay? yeah, so yeah, whatever. You guys in the Central State. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, I, I was really impressed with this number, especially with that start time that, you know, it's kind of programmed into our minds with WWE. This is when these shows go off. This is when you should be tuning in. Uh, to, to run this thing here at 7 or an hour early for wherever you're at, 
Um, it could have thrown some things off. So I was really impressed with this number. Yeah, uh, eight forty-one. I, I mean, I figured that they would hit a million, but I mean, eight hundred and forty-one thousand—that's not a bad showing. I would be curious to know what USA's normal viewership is at that hour. For I mean, that's just that's regularly like a it's CSI like a Law and Order or something like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, one thing that that did kind of get my attention and maybe shifted my my logic and my train of thought. Uh, especially being at SmackDown Live last week and seeing, you know, in person, you know, how tiresome it was for the live audience to try to sit there, you know, to get to the end of the show because it's running so late. You know, you're on a weeknight. It, everyone had kind of speculated that NXT USA run was a trial to see how the yellow brand could do on cable television. Uh, after seeing that, after witnessing what I saw with the live audience and then just knowing sometimes how hard it is to get through that three-hour raw, I'm wondering if, if starting an hour early was almost a test to see maybe they should move their, their other programs to that that's Eastern time. That's an interesting plausibility. Um. Uh, does mountain you know, you know, does mountain say, time get it on a delay like the West Coast does, or are they live viewing like the Central Time Zone is? I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not completely sure. Because I mean, if if you uh, do that, I mean, mountain time for live viewing, you'd be starting at five o'clock. And I understand that. You know, yeah. I would guess that they probably, even if you did that, you would have to do the adjustment. You'd have to put them on a delayed start. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. I'll look into that a little bit more because I'm not I'm not even sure how that works, honestly. Uh tribute to the troops, one point four million. Does that seem pretty in line with what you were anticipating? Uh yeah, and actually looking into this, it was slightly up from last year. Uh, actually it was up from the two previous years. Uh so people were interested in it. And I think especially for your casual viewer. Uh, they they really had a, it was a it was a solid lineup you know you had some good star-studded matches especially that big six-man uh, main event that they had was looked great on paper and you know and this is just another one of those things it's a it's a it's a novelty show you go into it expecting just to have a little fun you know turn your turn your mind off from the the run of the mill day-to-day WWE operation the storylines everything going on you just kind of sit back and relax here I was. Uh, so, I was looking I was, to see if we have impact numbers. Uh, tribute and impact. Yeah, I don't see impact numbers as of yet. I'm curious what their viewership was this week up against WWE programming. Well, you know, personally speaking, a couple times that they they lost me on tribute, and I went over to impact, and it was a it was a pretty solid show this week. Uh, so I was I held on over there, and it was one of those cases you know where you you get locked in and you forget to turn back. What was the main event on Impact? I haven't watched it yet. Oh, it, it was actually actually I did not see a lot of the tribute main event, uh, which you that main event you had what you had AJ Styles teaming up with who was he with there? I don't know. I haven't watched that oh, show Orton yet Nakamura. either. Okay, it was a uh, Norton. Nakamura, AJ Styles taking on KO Zane and Ginger Mahal. I, I did not see a whole lot of that main event. I was interested in it because of the rumors going in. They said that that Ginger had a lot of heat on him in that match. Uh, I 
I tell you, I actually have to go back and watch. I was more interested in numbers because I was caught over on Impact Wrestling because their main event was the finals of their knockouts championship tournament that was between Rosemary and Van Ness. With Laurel Van Ness taking the win. Yeah, it, which which was a great match. Uh, the end seemed a little botched to me. Uh, Van Ness put her hands on the ref. That, that kind of threw me through the loop. I, I know they probably wanted to determine a winner, but you'd think that the ref would come back with a little more authority. Uh, then it seemed like the timing was off on the finish. Again, the impact crowd really wasn't getting you really sold on what was going on. But the match itself, the talents involved there, a great effort, great outing. Yeah, with the Ring of Honor show last night, I just haven't had a chance to watch any of the Thursday shows yet. Um, we also have on here, reports are claiming that negotiations are not in the works with Ronda and the WWE, uh, that she's currently filming Mark Wahlberg's upcoming film, Mile 22. Uh, I'm just plain calling bullshit on this. Is that kind of where uh, you are? I'm with you, man. This, this seems like one of modern-day KFAF moments, you know, where they're leading you down one path. Hey, we've got something going on here. Let's see if we can we can steer them in another direction so we can revisit this later while she's busy with another project. I, immediately, that's what I picked up. I'm, I'm assuming with your opening statement there, that's how you felt. Well, I mean, it'd be one thing if we hadn't seen video of Natalia and Rhonda in the ring training together. You know, it's like when you when you have a talent like Natalia in the ring with Ronda Rousey helping her train, it kind of spoils the fact that maybe there's a WWE negotiation going on there. Well, and you know, the, it, the funny thing about that is they were never denying, you know, trying to say that there was nothing going on. So I think this negotiation term they're using here, they're using it very loosely. There probably isn't like a serious let's get down, have your people talk to our people, let's get the agents and the lawyers involved heavily right now. We know something's going down. We just don't know to what extent, to what extent Rhonda's going to be able to go in the ring, how she's going to take to all this, is it going to be a one-off? We know something's going down, but we're just not sure what yet. That's what I get from that well, statement. Yeah, it's to me, it's pretty much they're laying out the, the fine print. They're just not crossing any of the T's and dotting the I's yet. Yep. Yep. It's, it's, and, it's and, legal speak. I mean, he can't come out and say, yeah, this is what we're going to do and then have the whole thing fall apart. You know, it's just, that's corporate legal speak. Uh, a little, an interesting note here too. You know, this movie looks like, um, I'm trying to, Oh man, I thought I just had it. It's got a fall release date. Uh, so, you know, it might be coming in and, hey, when when are you available for us? How can we lay some things out here? But, you know, if, if you're WWE and she's ready to come in and play ball, especially if you can get the other horsewomen involved there, you pretty much you go the Brock Lesnar route and whatever her availability is, you make your availability. And then let's move and pivot here to some more legal speak from one Mr. Triple H, because these all three of these stories really tie in together to me. Because we also have Triple H weighing in on Omega versus Jericho, and we also have Triple H giving his quote-unquote explanation of why he went over Jinder Mahal in India. Uh, Triple H has had a hell of a couple of months, man. man he's, he's been on a roll. I, I, I don't – is it just Triple H? Because, you know, we've got – what do you always, you always say the three faces of H, correct? Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and I feel – 
especially in these two points, we're, you know, we're going to touch on here with uh, which whatever you want to call it. Uh, we, we are getting all of those faces. Yeah. Uh, I, where where do you want to jump in at, man? Well, it seems like, you know, you're getting <clears throat> COO Paul Levesque, who is being asked these questions and is responding to them in WWE legal speak. This is how I'm obligated to answer this question. Then you also have Triple H, the talent, who is taking every opportunity that he possibly can to make it very, very clear that everything I'm saying right now is backhanded. That's very much how it feels to me. Because he's he's got to walk this incredibly fine line between these two. And it, I mean, it can't be easy in any way, shape, or form for him. Well, you know, let's just start, you know, with, with the response to the Omega Jericho match at Wrestle Kingdom that's that's coming up here next month. Uh, a couple weeks just away, actually. It, he gave you the corporate line, but it almost had like a DX, I don't know, like spin to it, a vibe to it. Like, yeah, yeah, we knew, but yeah, we're, we're still kind of above that good for them. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to read you this quote because it's only like a couple of sentences here. All right. And now let's let's mm -hmm. take tone into context here. All right. So Triple H says it's great. Good for him. Chris is one of the greatest talents in the history of the business. So I think it's great. Good product is good product. I'm happy for them. Happy for Chris and happy for everybody. Or did he say it's great. Good for him. Yeah, Chris is one of the greatest talents in the history of the business. Yeah. I think it's great. Good product. Good product. I'm happy for them. Happy for Chris. Happy for everybody. Like, I, I need to know the inflection of this because it completely changes the context all the way around. True. Uh, now, there was a video out there, too, also, where he's addressing the situation. Yeah, I haven't seen any video on it. Um, but well, I, I, I would I like to seen, see it because I would like to hear his, his tone because it very much changes, you know, good for Kenny, good for new Japan. We're aware that's the conversation that we had, you know, that's part of the quote here. And it's just, you know, when he's using words like phenomenal and good for new Japan, like, is this a pat on the back? Like good for you guys. Or is it go fuck yourself? Good for new Japan. You know, like. Because we and it and it varies because we know the NXT context with the Jerichos, and we know that Hunter and Jericho don't necessarily like each other a whole lot, especially right now. Yeah, and it, the little bit of audio that I heard from it, you don't get the that this is really heartfelt. You know, it's I have to give you an answer. Why are you asking me? Why are you bothering me? Yeah, when I hear Triple H using words like phenomenal it's phenomenal it just seems incredibly half-hearted corporate speak somebody drafted him a statement if somebody asks you about this this is what you say and yeah you're right though because there is a little bit of history there uh some harsh feelings between jericho and triple h uh, you, you probably would get a, a completely different vibe had this been any member of the clique uh this has been kevin nash going over there sean michaels something along those lines yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, let's face it, the, the relationship between New Japan and WWE has never been good. At one time, they were they were tolerable of one another, and then the whole thing with Inoki went to hell. 
So there, there, there's, it's not like there's a history of a good working relationship here. And I don't see where a good working relationship back and forth between both sides really benefits either company at this point. Yeah, I don't see it. And, you know, especially if you're new Japan, uh, I would be very weary of any working relationship with WWE. I, I would just be so weary of that snake in the grass. Uh, you know, why now? Because they see you are getting some, you are having some success. Uh, you are pushing Western, you know, Westward. I would be very wary to do anything with them, just that, you know, that they wouldn't just turn around and cut you off at your knees at the very first. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look have. how that worked out for uh, EC dub. You know, I was listening to uh, Ben and Stevie on the locker room from Friday, you know, how'd that work out for OV dub? You know, it's, right. it's, it's a harsh reality of this business, but I just, I can't see that going forward. Not at all. Well, you know, you've been a big proponent of, you know, in 10 years time from now that we're, we're going to possibly look back at this Jericho Omega moment and say, you know, especially for our Western fans, that was it, man. That's when New Japan made that statement, put themselves on the map. And now we got this war. The world is getting smaller thanks be, to the internet. Well, and there might be some people in WWE that, you know, you, they would never come out and say it. Uh, they, they would might not even say, oh, yeah, you know, just give you that line. Oh, that's great. That's good for them, blah, blah, blah. They might be taking notice of this and realize we need to keep an eye on this. You know, right now we're cool, but there could be something brewing there. I'm very interested how this net neutrality thing works out when it comes to companies like New Japan when it comes to companies like stardom that are import companies and how your ISP is going to handle that. Maybe you should contact your Congressman or at least listen to Stevie. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a, that's a freaking mess, man. Uh, especially yep. for someone, you know, like myself that whose main focal point of their business is digital media marketing. Uh, any small business entrepreneur out there is going to be greatly affected by this uh, real kick in the dick. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Uh, we also have Triple H's statement uh, regarding the Jinder Mahal situation. And it reads like everything that I have said to you over our course of discussions over how this match was going to go down. Isn't that very much the impression that you got? You know what? We kind of we, we discussed this a little bit last night as we were prepping for the show. And we both agreed when we first had taken that in, we're kind of like, you know, is, is Triple H has really just had too much of his own Kool-Aid. Uh, we really couldn't believe that when he was going to some how he was comparing himself to the likes of uh, Undertaker and Cena. I started thinking about it this morning. And, and as you go back to the three faces of Triple H, was this just him trying to get heat on himself, trying to be a heel to some of the smarts? I I don't know. I, I guess I, real quick, man, you're you're better with these some things up. So anyone out there that hasn't heard, can you just give him a brief rundown of pretty much what he laid out there? One thing that people forget is the first time I went to India to perform was in 1996. I've been on their TV for a really long period of time. There are certain guys there that in that market who transcend the business for them. We were talking to our television partners about the marketing for the event. It was one of the things that kept coming up. It's why I was put on the card. I haven't been there in a really long time. I was excited and really happy to hear the reaction. It's sort of what we expected. We know 
that it resonates in markets and we can see our numbers and see it in our research that our partners have done as well as on social media. When we were over there a few months ago having business meetings to hear people who are running television studios or internet companies say to me, I wanted to watch you when I was a teenager. You were one of the biggest guys in the world. I met a massive Bollywood star he, uh, the other day who told me that I was his entire childhood. He got suspended from school for telling someone to suck it at a time in 96 when there were like three channels there and we were on one of them all the time. More smoke getting blown up Hunter's ass. That's that's immediately my first thought was like, man, he is really, really enjoying his own Kool-Aid. Even I'm though gender got a massive reaction, he still needs to earn their respect. He's still growing and still new. It just even being on this tour will help gender. The reaction he got at the beginning of the night was so much different than the reaction he got at the end of the night. It just grew. Their appreciation of him grew. It was all handled in the right way and done in the right manner. Over time, he's going to grow and become a cultural icon for them. Uh, hearing it back here, you know, I'm, I'm always going to just dismiss my, my thought that maybe he was just trying to heal it up for us smarts here in the Western fan base. Uh, you know, he's trying to rely on a corporate answer to cover up some freaking ego there. In other words, Triple H is a big star and Jinder Mahal is not. Well, and then he has, he has this explanation here. Uh, so what's what's the opposite side over what's, you know, in Abu Dhabi when Roman Reigns got to go over? Uh, those people didn't see those people weren't in love with Triple H. You know, they, I'm sure they haven't been. They didn't touch with the WWE product going on today as they were back then. Man. I'm sure he was still the bigger name and a bigger star to those individuals. It poses an interesting question. What if Hunter just had it with this shit, right? He, he's just fed up. And Hunter goes walking into Vince's office and he says, it's me or Roman. <laughs> Which one would Vince pick? <laughs> Man, that, that might be a tough call for him, you know? Yeah. Yeah, at this point. So what do you think then the compromise is? Hey, man, <laughs> put Roman over, and then we're going to let you go in front of a billion people and beat their guy. <laughs> do you think that's how the conversation went? It very well could be how the conversation went. That, if that very well could be the extent of the conversation. That very well could Listen be. Listen here, study. Roman Armstrong. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> and then you're gonna reign supreme in front of a billion people. Oh, oh! He, it's like he just can't help himself, you know. And it doesn't matter what he says; it's gonna be the wrong answer. It's either the wrong answer for his character, or it's the wrong answer as the COO of the face of the company. It just—it literally has Hunter by the balls. Like it seems like we've just come on here and bury Hunter, but. We realize what a pain in the fucking ass this job has to be. I mean, this guy is literally playing three different faces of himself, depending on what time of day it is. Oh, yeah, and he's also a husband and a father. Good luck with that. Well, and then, you know, it goes for, you know, we were talking in the locker room last week about, yes, some of these other countries, they do not see it as we do. So, yeah, I'm fine. Yes, Triple H is a huge star over there. 
uh, when they were probably just getting WWE and all that stuff, that they were they were into what he was doing. Uh, I find it really hard to, you know, going back to the Bollywood star said all this was happening back in 1996. <laughs> Do you remember Triple H's 1996? Uh, pretty much worshiping everyone, probably Shawn Michaels. And Triple H just happened to be in the background. Well, yeah, I was going to say, when I when I go back to the 1996, you know, I, I remember The Rock whipping Triple H's ass for the Intercontinental title all over the fucking, you know? Yeah, Triple H was, was pretty much in your Dolph Ziggler role back then. He was the whipping boy. Yeah, he was uh, very much so the everyone, whipping boy. Yeah, and it wasn't so everyone else left for greener pastures uh, that he was able to elevate himself through playing, playing ball and politics in the back, so... Now he he kind of got the shit end of that deal, but that's a, that's a whole other show. Boy, we could talk well, about Hunter right. for a while. Well, I, we are. I know we don't want to get caught up on him. We've spent quite a bit of time the last couple episodes that we've done with him. Uh, but, but you know, we're called bullshit on it. But man, let, let's talk about another possible bullshit call. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of bullshit, so Vince McMahon is considering bringing back the XFL. Why in the name of God would you want to start a rival to the NFL at this point in time makes zero sense to me. Dollars or well, business sense. Like this is this is well, the move there, that it's like Vince you've completely lost your fucking mind. There is a little bit more here to the story. Uh Vince is actually was he is he partnering in financing in some in some shape or form there is going to be a a new entity, business entity out there uh, called Alpha Entertainment. And with that, they're retaining all sorts of pitches pertaining to the world of sports and the world of entertainment. Uh, within that dynamic is a possibility for a new football league, the revival of the XFL. Okay. Now, let's just focus on one word here. Alpha. What's Jericho doing? Yeah, I think you're reading too much into that. I very well may be reading too much into it. But, you know, I see Jericho doing this cruise. I see Jericho doing this shit over in New Japan. I see Alpha hey, Club. I'm the, the Alpha. The timing, the timing certainly does uh, make for some interesting conversation. I think it's just just mere coincidence. It very well may be mere coincidence, but it would not surprise me in the slightest to see Chris Jericho and Vince McMahon working together on promotions. It would not surprise me at all. Jericho is Vince's, he's the, he pinned the rock and Stone Cold in the same night. Like the relationship between Vince and Jericho is very business, but also very personal. And they play each other very, very well. It would not surprise me at all to see these two getting in bed together. I see alpha entertainment and my brain starts to wander. All right. I can see what you, I can see where you're going there, man. I still think maybe you're reading a little too much, but Hey man, uh, I guess, you know, that's one of the things we're gonna have to keep an eye on out there. But let's let's get to what we really want to talk about. What about the potential for an XFL return? I this doesn't seem to make any sense to me. Why? I thought this was a joke. I thought this was like from K-Fan News or something when I read it. 
NFL ratings are down like what, 17% this year? That is, they, they are down big time. Um, and you know, they're, they're probably just getting their rocks off thinking, oh, people are just mad at the, at the NFL. Well, guess what? You know, last time you tried this, they were also mad at the NFL. Uh, it, but now today, the sports market, the entertainment market is so saturated with different similar pro- products here. This isn't going to fly now. And you're still going to have your, your basic problem that you had back then. Inferior talent is not going to move a league just because uh, you demand something out of the individual, something out of the owners. I'm not even sure what their angle would be here. I, I Yeah, it, like on no level does this make any sort of logical sense to me. Nowhere. Well, and, and you, you know, like their last one is uh, like, you know, they pretty much built it around football the way it should be, real men playing. Yeah, well, after week one, you had to replace half your league's rosters because you didn't have any rules set up to protect anyone. Uh, it was pretty much, it was like the the original days of UFC where it was just like gladiator wars going on. And, and especially today when you have such a, uh, a health-conscious society yeah with um, all the focus on concussions and no so now you yeah you're just like those rules i I know it 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 kind of waters down professional football as you know some of us prefer to be played or remember it you know all those nostalgia feelings and all that but those rules are there for a reason uh we we don't want every, every one of these gentlemen to be in wheelchairs in their retirement uh, or end up, you know, like, um, oh, uh, Junior Seau. Yeah, CT and yeah, who ended up committing suicide over this thing. Yeah, uh, just just for a, a few years and a few games of you know gratification for an audience. Uh, we understand why the rules are there. Yes, we love violence in our sports, but you know we have to protect the athletes as well. So let's talk a little bit of Lucha news. Um, it seems that Lucha Underground is informing talent to cancel any indie bookings in mid-February, uh, filming to begin February 16th. Um, this is like right in the middle of the New Japan Cup. Yeah, that's what I, that's, you know, that's what I wanted to talk on, talk about this. I know you're, you're, you're touched with this much more than I am. I mean, what kind of conflicts could we have here? Uh, we could have some major conflicts here. I mean, because you have the monster Matanza Cueto is Jeff Cobb. He's getting a run over in New Japan currently. Um, Sammy Callahan is currently been working with New Japan and Impact. So th- that's a conflict. I mean, there's right. well, there's it, all sorts of them, man. Well, like in, Impact should be pretty safe, correct? Well, they should and be because ideally they're, there's... They're in- they're in January and they'll have all their stuff taped out for a couple months. They should be taped right. almost till April, I would assume. But I, but I'm still not sure that that's a good deal as far as Lucha Underground goes, because when you have Johnny Impact playing the character that he plays on Impact on Thursdays and on Wednesdays, you have the character that Johnny Impact is playing Johnny Mundo on Lucha Underground there's a severe conflict of interest there because they are two entirely different characters and you're going to watch one or you're going to watch the other. Or you run in, you know, and it, even with the way wrestling is portrayed, you know, we put so much investment into these people actually being their characters. It is, it's a unique thing with the business. It has always been that way. 
And it, you know, for some casuals like that, it, it, or maybe watching both, it could be pretty confusing. You know, I know Brian Cage just came back on Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. Man, there's just there's a ton of people with conflicts, and supposedly, and this one absolutely astonished me. They're bringing Phoenix and Penta back, which just blows my mind how in the world that's going to work. But God knows what in the hell those two guys have booked. I mean, they, they hold championships all over the freaking world at this well, point. Well, I, I see those, those were kind of the first two names that jumped out that they are already being removed from some pretty big independent shows. Yeah, absolutely. But man, that New Japan Cup, if, if I'm Jeff Cobb, and I have an invitation to be in the New Japan Cup, or I can go do Lucha Underground. That's that's a tough decision to make right there. How tight are the deals with Lucha? Can they opt out of those? Or well, it sounds some... like they're completely changing all of their contracts around and reforming and phrasing. And because the problem with Lucha Underground is they're trying to run it like a TV show. And they're trying to treat the actors like they do a typical actor on a TV show. And it doesn't work that way inside the world of professional wrestling. And they're, they're realizing that in the error of their ways, but I haven't seen the final language as to how any of that's going to work. Well, I'll tell you what, it's from kind of an outsider that doesn't, that is interested in those products, but doesn't really, you know, not on it daily or even weekly. Uh, it has my interest. I'll, I'm going to make sure that I am following it. And if for, for me and our listeners, we're going to need you to kind of keep us up to date on yeah, how this thing plays out. Yeah, it's going to be a very, very interesting uh, story to watch develop. That's for sure. So, Rick, you ready to talk some uh, Ring of Honor? Yes, sir, man. It was the, the big blowout of the year of 2017 for Ring of Honor. It, it was final battle. Uh, we're we're going to run it down for, for the listeners out there. Uh, now, before we actually jump into the card, um, let's just talk about the show overall a little bit here. Um, normally, you know, we do the scale of one to ten. You like to do, you know, your, your letter grades, pass, fail, however you want to do it. How would you rate this show? Oh, man. I... I I'm going to have to say, I, I would put this somewhere. Oh, man, this is hard. You know, you, you hate to be hard on talent like this. And you try to find things to enjoy. But I, I'm going to say like, either like a D plus, C minus. Yeah. Maybe this, a C highest. Yeah. If we were doing hit or miss, this show was a miss for me. It just did now, not feel like a Ring of Honor show. Now, now going into this thing, uh, what were your expectations? What, what were you hoping for? I don't even really know. You know, it's so weird because for those of you who don't know, I'm a Sinclair employee. So I get to see Ring of Honor basically a week before everybody else does, which is why we don't talk a whole lot about Ring of Honor on the show. Uh, Because just me when I watch it and when Rick gets to see it, you know, there's like maybe a two week gap. So it's really, really hard to discuss in real time. Um, The build to this show has just been flat. And Ring of Honor this year, to me, just feels like it's in this state of evolution where they're trying to figure out who in the hell they are again. They've they've lost so so much talent and so many stars. 
and and Cody's a great star, but he's not a Ring of Honor talent. He's somebody who came in from somewhere else. And it works, but it's just it doesn't feel like Ring of Honor. Well, he lends you a little bit of star power, name recognition. Uh, so kind of, you know, if I'm picking up on what you're saying here, you're kind of, you know, whereas like Impact Wrestling immediately, every time there's a change, they just try to throw everything against the wall to see where, which way they're going. They try to reinvent themselves just right out of the gate. You're pretty much saying like 2017 for Ring of Honor has been like that slow evolution. Like we know we're something different, but where is our where is our niche? Where is our place in the market? Yeah, very much so. Um, and I mean, and this just tells you kind of where Ring of Honor is at this time. When I look back at Final Battle 2016, the main event for that show was Kyle O'Reilly defeating Adam Cole for the Ring of Honor World Championship. Now both guys wow, are man, in NXT. You know, you know, it's just that's well, where know, Ring of Honor is right now. Point, well, just look at the difference in the talent. Yeah. Yeah. And From also one year to the other. And also both uh match number four on the card was Dalton Castle defeating Colt Cabana. And the fifth match on the card was Cody defeating Jay Lethal. And it was a nine-match card, so they were literally both in the middle of the card a year ago at Final Battle. This year, they're the main event. It just doesn't have that luster to it that Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole had. That was Ring of Honor. Those guys made their asses in Ring of Honor. You know, Castle, yeah, he has that quality, but Cody doesn't. Well, also there, you know, building up to... Cole O'Reilly. I mean, you had that traditional storytelling. That that thing had been brewing for years. Right. Former tag team this, partners and you know, but where this thing had been, you know, this thing had been set up in a couple of weeks for this main event. Right. And you also had Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole, both of which are freaking workhorses versus Dalton Castle and Cody, who are both very much character guys. And it just, it didn't feel like Ring of Honor to me. It felt like, you know, WWE developmental. Well, uh, so the match itself, man, I mean, what, since we're on, on top of what the main event was, let's just, let's jump in there. We're kind of working our way backward a little bit. Okay, we can do that. Uh, so we, we saw Dalton Castle defeating Cody uh, to win the Ring of Honor World Championship. Um, I immediately shed a tear for Rick because I know that he's a big Cody fan. I, I do. I, I, I enjoy me some Cody. What, what did you think of the match? Cause I know you're a Cody fan. So like, what did you think of the match as a Cody I, I know, fan? I know you're, you're all, you're always down on his in-ring work now because he, he relies so heavily on that character. Uh, the match itself here, you know, it was, it was, it was most certainly below par for what we've seen from Cody, which is going to put him around like that two and a half star, maybe three range, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but the thing I really got from it, what seemed really strange, you know, these guys have, you know, they have been building this for weeks. You know, this, this certainly is not Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly type build, but you know, they've been working at this. This has been probably the, arguably the premier feud going in here. Maybe one other match on the, on the show has had the equal footing for it. Uh, but, I really got the impression that it was almost like going back to like the traditional territory days where you have two guys just coming into a territory, had never met each other. 
actually didn't even talk backstage because the heels and the faces were separated in their locker rooms, and they just came out, and they were having their first face-to-face in that ring and calling on the fly. The timing was so off in this match for me. What did you think of the blonde hair? Uh, you know, it was a, it was a little twist at first, but hey, it, you know, it is what it, it was just a tribute to his father, correct? Well, yeah, but as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, Cody's bleeding tonight. That was my immediate first thought. Oh, okay. So you got it right away. See, yeah, I, I, I wasn't linking those two together, man. You were ahead of that on me. Well, uh, it's just, it's, thought- it's a so Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, you know? Yeah, you can really sell that thing. You get, you get that blonde. You get those blonde locks just covered with that, that crimson red. It's, it's that great visual. Yeah, but even the uh, blood my, visual felt off in this match. My first stop with the blonde hair when he got in the ring and all that was uh, as soon as he goes back to WWE, which, you know, eventually most roads all lead back to the E. He want to get that big payday eventually at some, some point. Wants to get uh, his last fucking name that, back. Get his last name back, but the huge rib is going to be, uh, they're going to put his ass in polka dots. Oh, damn it. You're right. Damn it. You're right. <laughs> that was, that's what I thought about. I said, man, what's the rib they can get him with, man? As soon as he goes back there, before, before that run is over, his ass will be in polka dots. Oh, uh, um, I mean, as far as the match itself goes, it was a Cody match. You know, there was nothing special about this match. I feel like I could have just inter- interjected any of the opponents that I've seen Cody against. And it would have been the same match. Like you were saying, none, none of it felt personal. It didn't feel like Cody was trying harder. It's just, uh, it crowds, felt flat. Crowd seemed worn, worn out, uh, worn out uh, from seeing the, the same theatrics the entire night. Especially, you know, it, it, the show was definitely a spot fest. Uh, then when you kind of go more to a traditional brawl style, it's going to wear the crowd down at the end. Uh, I thought the the crowd reactions and their overall interactions with this match were were pretty disappointing. It didn't really seem like a major event uh, evening. Well, and especially when when the show first opened and you see the Hammerstein Ballroom, you're like, yeah. This is it. This is the wrestling mecca, you know, the Hammerstein ballroom. And that it just, the ghosts of ECW felt like they just haunted this show because it just completely fell short for me. I think we're both going to agree on this main event here. Disappointed. Um, well, we're going to dive into the rest. We'll save our overall impression. One more, one last little thing here to ask you about on this match, man. What did, what did you think of the new title and the reference to 11 pounds of gold? I, I had a very Booker T moment. Tell me he didn't <laughs> just say that. That was my immediate. Just like, did, did he just fucking say 11 pounds of gold? What the fuck? Wow. Yeah. I couldn't, couldn't believe that one, man. Could not believe that. Overall. I mean, I, I much prefer the, the older title, the other title. I, uh, it's a, a good-looking belt, but, man, that just that rubbed me the wrong way. Um, my yeah, other this, question for yeah. you with the, this match is where in the hell does Ring of Honor go from here? Because now Dalton Castle is your champion. I don't see that man. drawing a whole lot of tickets. I just I'm don't. I'm going to be interested. They've, they've got some tapings coming up beginning tonight, correct? I think so, yeah. 
Uh, I'm going to be really interested to see the reception that he gets, uh, what direction they go in, because, you know, if if not for anything, you should be interested in what they have planned. I just don't really see how remarkable he is as a champion. Uh, We talked about that as we were kind of building up to this show. Uh, We we both firmly believe that Cody had to walk out of there simply because is there a big market? Is there a big following behind Castle? And, you know, he's got that great character. People are buying into it. But is it someone that really needs uh, that championship that, or not even needs it, but should be carrying it? Who, that should be the face of your company. You know what I'm afraid of? This is what I'm honestly afraid of when I saw that decision go down last night. Cody is facing Kota Ibushi inside the Tokyo Dome. The match is still going to be Kota Ibushi versus Cody inside the Tokyo Dome. Now it's not going to be for the Ring of Honor championship. I wonder if Ring of Honor was informed Ibushi's winning this match. Just straight up, Ibushi is winning this match. I don't care about none of your bullshit. Ibushi's winning this match. And Ring of Honor, as a response, said, Cody, we have to take the belt off of you for that match. That's my fear. Man, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, you- I can't argue that logic. That was going to be one of my questions for, you know, how does this affect Wrestle Kingdom? And you pretty much put it out there. They, you're probably 100% right. They said, hey, man, we're booking this show. This is ours. You agreed to put that title on. We just asked you or whatever. You agreed to do it, but he's not winning this match. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to a no contest. He is taking the pinfall loss. Yep. Ibushi's winning that match. That's That's my immediate thought. We'll see how it plays out at Wrestle Kingdom. But my immediate thought is Ibushi's winning that match. Uh, well, man, let's, let's see. You want to jump over to the big uh, tag match of this evening? Uh, which one? Uh, the Hung Bucks the, uh, or the uh, uh, Briscoes and Bully Ray and Dreamer? Uh, well, I was going to go with the New York Street fight, the one that we had uh, quite a bit of build for here. Yeah, and this match was just bad. It was it was not well, enjoyable to watch for me. What was really disappointing here is going into this show probably more than any other match on this card. This is what I was looking forward to. You know, the, the build here, how they work the fans, uh, you know, implementing the, those KFAB tactics, taking you back to the good old days. I uh, then promise you, especially location there in the arena for this for this event, man, it, it was going to take you back to a better time with some classic, you know, throwback, just violence. Uh, the hype going in, I was, you know, right when this was getting ready to go, I, you know, I sat up, I on the edge of my seat the entire time. Uh, by the end of it, I was laying back down and kind of just glancing at my phone. Definitely yeah. a, a letdown. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt too. And this is one of those things that we as wrestling fans fall victim to all the time. And when we see this match on paper, our brain imagines it as the Briscoes versus Bully Ray from TNA and Tommy Dreamer from ECW. And what we end up with is the Briscoes versus 2017 Bully Ray and 2017 Tommy Dreamer. And we just build it up in our minds, and then the end product was just not anywhere remotely close. And so it just ends up disappointing. Yeah, I guess it was one of those things maybe we should have got so hyped for. And we'll give them credit, man. It was a great ride to the It was a great angle. It was just the payoff for it just fell flat. Uh, you know, when you got into it, which kind of 
as I said this to you before we went on the air, going into this match, it felt like they were just trying to get everything in. And you kind of corrected me and said, Rick, that was that was the theme of the show. Yeah. Yeah. That very much felt like the theme of the show. All the uh, way from was... the opening match all the way through the main event. Now, the finish here. It, it, it was funny, you know, earlier in the show, we were talking about Triple H trying to, uh, I, I guess, put us put us at ease why he went over there trying to let us in on that here. Uh, definitely the right team went over here, correct? Or would you have seen it the other way? I think you got to put the Briscoes over here just, just so they can keep their heat because the Briscoes have, in my mind's eye anyway, have been a huge contribution to why Ring of Honor has really gained so much momentum and steam over the last five to six years. Well, and you know, you're talking about the names that have come and gone and the Briscoes, you know, they've been that foundation for ring of honor. They are, they are kind of that new face uh, that you can always rely on when you look at their product. But I still feel like Jay Briscoe is better as a single star than with Mark. Like the, the, the getting together, the doing the tag team thing for a couple months here and there fine and dandy but i'm ready for jay to move into a, a more singles role again get back to get back to what he will what he had building before yep uh let's see let's go to the this uh, the other semi main event i mean like was this a cool down match like what would you call this the hung bucks versus dragon lee flip gordon and titan like this match should have been way earlier in the show like this literally felt like a cool down match, but the bucks are in it. So we've got to put it right before the main event. Yeah. I, I wasn't feeling it at all. Uh, way over choreographed. Uh, it seemed like they went to the great lengths to really give flip a nice rub here in this match. Uh, even though they were, his team went down in, in defeat. I, I don't know. See, I had, I had this match just kind of lumped in with random thoughts for undercard. If anything kind of grabs you. Well, oh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of these matches, you know, Matt Taven versus Will Ospreay, dot, 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 dive. You know, the Motor City Machine Guns and the Best Friends, dot, 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 dive. Uh, Hung Bucks and the CMLL guys and a guy whose name is literally Flip, dot, 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 dive. You know, it was everything that we've that we've ever seen from, from the Hung Bucks. Uh, taking on a, a relatively just newly formed team, correct? I think they even made a point on the show to let us know, hey, these guys don't have any experience, but they but they do know each other's style. And it's disappointing too because I I really really like Dragon Lee, um, I and I think Dragon Lee is going to be the next hot thing coming out of Mexico. Oh, I, I agree with you one hundred percent. You know, I, I got was it he kind of broke on when they were crowning uh, tell their. And the television championship was vacated or something along those lines. Yep. I, I can't remember. Okay, that's when he came up. And I immediately took to him. He's got a great look. Uh, he's one of those classic cruiser high flyers that, that you can get behind. Uh, really into him. I, I don't know. I guess it was just this spot, this match. I wasn't really feeling anything from, from any of them. Uh, but what about post-match? What did, what did you make of that? Oh, with the addiction coming out and Scorpio Sky? Yeah. Um. It's an interesting pairing. I, I've been watching Scorpio Sky for quite a while now, and I don't think I've ever really seen him play a heel. So I'm, I'm curious to see kind of how that develops if uh, Daniels and Kazarian can truly corrupt Scorpio and 
make him the third member of the addiction to take on the bullet club uh it very much felt like a continuation though of the addiction versus bullet club storyline like this this story's been going for the better part of a year now yeah so they, they kept it going they, you know they brought it kind of full circle to get, get it back on track uh revisit what they had going and you know with anything with the addiction you're, you're going to get some great work out of uh is there anybody else that you would have put in there instead of scorpio uh, not that I gave any thought to. Uh, I'm sure you've got a couple names, but you, like you said, man, I want to I want to see, see where this goes. Uh, I've got I kind of got into this guy back uh, in Wrestling Society X, got introduced to him, and you know since then I've always kind of kept my eye on him, what he's been up to. Always thought he was a tremendous talent. Actually, you're talking about last time he probably was really a heel. It might have been back in Wrestling Society X. He was kind of that that cocky blue chipper character. Gotcha. Yeah, because I uh, discovered him watching Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. Uh, he had a great run there, but he was very babyface there. Um, the reason I ask is because I immediately, when I saw this angle, thought, how much cooler would this have been if it was Jay Lethal? Oh, man. Yeah, that is a great suggestion, man. I mean, uh, especially gets Lethal like reinvested in into a major program going on within, within the organization. And the lethal injection with the addiction. Oh, yeah. Give me that. Uh, like and that. also and also going back to a recent interview where Jay Lethal stated, you know, that where they were asking, you know, what's what's going on in your future? What's next for you? And he was pretty clear. He said, you know, I've got a good thing here in Ring of Honor, but I haven't won. I want those six man championships. And that will that would have solidified him if he will. If and when he gets those, uh, he would have held every championship that Ring of Honor's ever had, even the defunct championships. Well, and especially this entire angle that's going on with Marty and Marty trying to bring the villain back out of Jay Lethal. I couldn't think of two better villains to align Jay Lethal with. And you got that Bullet Club versus Addiction story right there laid out for you. Man, I think that would have been great. You, you really could have sparked something huge there. Oh, I guess there is. Good. I mean, I guess there is a way to kind of bring him into the fold, but you think you would want that moment for a big special event like final battle 2017 yeah jay lethal instead of scorpio sky no disrespect to scorpio like that I, guy I just, a lot but man I, I think i think you're 100 correct man that could have been one of those moments that would have taken this this show from that d that d plus to c range to you know possibly like a c plus you know it definitely would have elevated his grade uh jay lethal defeated the villain marty Skrull on this show um this was probably my match of the night was it your match of the night? Uh, uh, 100% agree, sir. Uh, Marty is just amazing. I love watching Marty Skrull wrestle because he's he's a cruiserweight guy, but he does not at all wrestle that cruiserweight style. And Lethal is Jay Lethal. I mean, what, what more can you say about that guy? I, I'd say right now you probably have two of the most underrated talents in the world, and they were here working together. Where do you see Jay Lethal going from here? Do, do, do you see Lethal turning heel and facing Castle? Could we go that direction? Is that a program uh, that you, you know, could invest in? To kind of get Jay back to the top of that card there? Yeah. Man, you kind of got yeah, you kind of got me burning on this idea that you could still align him with the addiction. Uh, 
and still really have that war going forward with the Bullet Club. But then you, you like you said, there we are left with a huge gap at the in that main event slot for the for their world championship. You know who is going to be next for for Castle? Yeah, because when I look at that roster, I mean, I uh, unless they do Cody again, you know, well, and, do, unless, and do the rematch, unless, but unless you're one hundred percent right and Castle's just in here is a is a placeholder until they can get past the January fourth and give him, then go give him like a month wanted. run and put the title right back on Cody. Well, I guess we're, we're going to find out here because their taping should run them through past Wrestle Kingdom, correct? Yeah, they should, because, I mean, Wrestle Kingdom's only a couple weeks away at this point. Uh, what have we got here? About three weeks away. Uh, and the road to Wrestle Kingdom starts tonight. So that's that's something else to look forward to on the other slew of shows that's going to be coming into your ear holes over the weekend. Um, Motor City Machine Guns, best the best friends. Um, what do you think of the best friends? Do you like this act? Uh, I don't know. It, I guess it's kind of growing on me. It's a little too Breezango guess, for me. Well, which is weird because you love them, but it's just like a little too much. It's It just feels too similar to the Breezango thing. Well, it's close to them, but it's it's not hitting the mark Breezango does. Yeah, not at all. Uh, where it seems a little off. In, these guys aren't funny enough to be Breezango. That's the problem. Yeah. It, well, I guess you're right there. It's co- it's coming off 100%. Like, it just feels forced. Right. You know, like, they're they're trying to use them as comic relief, and Trent Beretta is not a funny guy, and Chuck E.T., as much as I've seen of the guy, he can do some comedic stuff, but I don't think of him as a comedic wrestler. You know, like, I feel like Colt Cabana should be in a tag team with Dalton Castle called the Best Friends doing this same gimmick. Yeah, that that would be that would work much better than what we've got here. And I I didn't really think too much of this match, man. Like you said it was just dot 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 dive. Uh what you completely expected. Uh speaking of Colt Cabana, commentary on this show sucked. God, do I miss Kevin Kelly? Oh, it it was terrible. Um uh, it they just can't even hang with with any of the recent groups that they've had out there. Uh, you know, over you, you keep comparing 2016 to 17 <laughs> right oh, there, you know, man, uh, just where it all starts. The Carino and Kelly start. versus these two. My God. Yeah, it, it was it was pretty bad uh, overall. Man, one of my favorite moments of this show actually was just a simple announcement that that they're actually going to introduce a women of, women of honor championship in the partner with the with the Japanese promotion. OK, yeah. So let's talk about women of honor. Um, this feels very much like overkill to me. You think? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not real big on it. Ring ring of honor has such limited TV time as it is, right? WWE is signing up women's talent left and right. Two ways from sideways. You already have shimmer. You have shine. You have stardom. Like, there's a reason that ROH hasn't pushed the Women of Honor thing, and it's because they have a very, very thin roster. So now we're going to partner with Stardom, so yet another partnership that could potentially go wrong. Now, see, I, I kind of like the direction they're going here with this thing, and I, I like how they've even presented it up to this point. You know, they, they didn't force it on television. You never see it on their programming. You exactly. Never these, <laughs> you never see these matches on their on their major events. I kind of like that because it doesn't 
it doesn't just become a novelty act. When they present Women of Honor, it actually has its own feel. The Women of Honor kind of it has its own. It feels like its own promotion. I hope they go in that direction where you know just obviously you're probably going to start internet exclusive things like that, but slowly slowly build this thing. But you do have some name recognition with Ring of Honor behind it. Now you're with Shimmer there, or uh, Stardom. I'm sorry. Who was the first woman that they introduced? Oh, man. You know, my first thing was I just want to see Kelly Klein take that first championship. You know, When they walked him out on the stage, who was the first woman? I I can't remember. I need you to tell me. It was Brandy Rhodes. Now, no disrespect to Brandy, but I feel like this whole thing is being put in place so Brandy can have that one, Cody can have the other one, and you're going to get Cody times two. No, I, I don't think so. I think they just wanted to run out a little uh, a little star power name recognition to get the thing going. Uh, and she, I, honestly, she probably has no business even being in that division. You know, that spot in the main event where she came off the top rope, I mean, that was so poorly timed. And <laughs> it just looked so awkward. It, it, just, it felt like it took forever. I, I know. It was something, the flow of it was so bad, the timing. And then and that it's in itself took away from the moment of the main event. Uh, I think just running her out there was just to get a, a well-known name, someone that the fans recognize if they need to, you know, for the general wrestling audience, they're going to recognize her a bit, Rhodes' name. Uh, such There's a lot of great talent in Women of Honor. Uh, I think it's some of the best talent in the world. And, and I'm you know, we've had some conversations over in the hobby media discussion group on facebook recently about women's wrestling and, and can it evolve you know beyond a novelty i'm not so sure it can but to me if this is done properly it can push those boundaries i'm interested to see where it goes i'll give them that because it's ring of honor i'm interested to see where it goes but i'm gonna have them on a very very short leash um let's see what haven't we talked about that was on this show uh silas young winning the ring of honor television championship from kenny king punishment martinez and shane taylor uh i was a little surprised by this match uh the ending caught me very off guard i completely thought they were going to go with jersey mike's boy punishment here um silas young is the tv champion i like silas young he's sufficient i guess this whole well, division yeah, we, just feels flat ever since marty dropped it well you know one thing there with young uh you know he's something very different than what we're used to on uh, especially in ring of honor with the indie scene oh very much so and i i kind of like that there but i'm with you man i was extremely surprised to see this here i kind of thought that king might retain because man he didn't have how long was his reign? I mean, it just seemed like it was just like a, a drink of coffee. And it was like they just put the title on him because they were trying to play off of when he was on The Bachelor. And it's like, you quit making stupid business decisions here. Like, the, this is what we get on Impact about. And all of a sudden, Ring of Honor, the past six months or so, I've been seeing a lot of these kind of decisions. And it's just like... Well, it's, it's decisions that... That reminds you more of sports entertainment companies instead of wrestling promotions. Right. And that's not is, what Ring of Honor is. Or not what it has been, anyway. And it goes back it, it, it goes back to your point. And I guess we can't hammer it home enough that they are in, in, in an awkward transition phase. Yeah, very much. That's very much what this show felt like. Um, on this they, show, we also had... Oh, go ahead. 
they, they are Peter Brady before the kids had to go on uh, that singing competition to get that silver platter engraved. Yep. Yep. Uh, War Machine defeated the addiction on this show. I expected this to be the match of the night. And this was probably my least favorite War Machine match I've ever seen, which I do not ever expect against Daniels and Kazarian because Daniels and Kazarian are freaking great themselves. It just feels like War Machine is gassed. These guys need some time off. This one seemed to me, you know, after the fact, when we know what happened following the six-man championship, you know, going back and looking at this, it seemed like, hey, man, let's just go out there. Let's go through these motions. Let's get in and out, do our thing, because the addiction has something else going on later tonight. Uh, also on this show, Matt Taven defeats Will Ospreay. We have seen reports coming out now that Osprey might be getting that free agency kind of role thing going on. I think Osprey's just going to move to Australia and join some promotion down there. I really think that's you know, that's his intention. You've got a lot of people saying, oh, what's the next move? I don't know if there is a bigger move for him than Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, you asked me what I, I saw his ceiling as, and to me, it's like if they do another Cruiserweight Classic, that's about Will Ospreay's ceiling. And I know that that is a conversation for another day. I'm sure we will get back to it. I don't even see the need for another Cruiserweight Classic. I, I think they have flushed that, that son of a bitch down the toilet. Uh, but, you know, just going straight to WWE, what, he's not going to get anything there. Uh, they, they've obviously have shown they really don't care to really invest in 205 Live. So unless something changes there, I don't see the need. If you had your choice between Ricochet and Osprey, which one would you take first? I would probably be more inclined to go with Ricochet. I think I got more of an upside with marketing. Um, and, you know, that's originally right where I go at, man. I'm looking at my marketing aspect and how I can build someone up there. I'm going I'm going to go with Ricochet for, for the North American audience or the Western audience. I'm looking at it from a TV perspective. And Lucha Underground gave Ricochet a lot of experience that would be very, very valuable in a WWE well, setting. I would take Ricochet that, as well. That, that plays right into all that there. Yep. Uh, anything else that you wanted to say about Final Battle? Um, I, I, I feel bad, like, kind of dogging on this show because I normally love Ring of Honor. But, you know, if, if you're going to shit on the WWE when they have a bad show, I got to shit on Ring of Honor when they have a bad show, too. Well, I... You know, coming in, we were kind of we were out there pushing this show. We were both really hyped for this event. You know, this is their their end off blowout, man. This is this is goodbye to, to 2017. Start looking forward to 2018. Ring of Honor usually delivers in these big spots, uh, but I couldn't help just feeling that every, every everything that you hear from the critics, the naysayers about what's wrong with spot indie wrestling was confirmed during the show. Wanted to come in here and just rave about what we watched. Uh, but, you know, that always is not the case, man. So I'm coming away feeling rather disappointed. Yeah, very disappointing. I'll, I'll, I'd have to go thumbs down on this show. Seemingly a rare swing and miss for Ring of Honor. Well, let's wrap this one up then. Uh, you can tell us how wrong we are on Twitter at HTMPWPod. You can find us on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. You can shoot us an email at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. You can find me individually on Twitter at NotJargo. Rick, how do the people send you hate mail? Well, uh, they can get me on Twitter at TheRealRBV. 
As always, jump on Facebook and head on over to the uh, Hami Media Discussion Group. Uh, this weekend, we have got our Clash of Champions Pick'em Challenge. Uh, that's going on right now. Essentially, the entire card's laid out for you. You pick the winners. Rank how confident you are in it. we got some bonus questions. You're going to be uh, testing your skills, your wits, up against uh, probably uh, 45 to 50 other of, of our awesome members there in the group to see how you stack up against them. Uh, we also got the live discussion for Clash of Champions coming up tomorrow night. Invite everyone to uh, join in over there with us. Uh, while on Facebook, also be sure to check out the GorillaPosition.com group. Uh, you can just do a quick search to find them. Or just head on over to the GorillaPosition.com website itself. A lot of great exclusive material you are not going to find anywhere else on the Internet. Uh, those guys are always working hard to put out uh, the best content. Uh, one final shout-out. I think this is a pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Um, one Mr. Timothy Baltimore, who worked with Ohio Valley Wrestling, he's a commentator down there. He is battling some serious health health issues. Uh, so some of his good friends and old colleagues, Ben Hami and Stevie Richards. Uh, well, if you head on over to Pro Wrestling Tees and go to either of those gentlemen's stores, all of their purchases now through January, 100% of the proceeds are going over to help Mr. Baltimore uh, with the bills in his medical relief. I think that's pretty cool. www.prowrestlingtees.com backslash Ben Hameen, B-I-N-H-A-M-I-N. Appreciate the support. Uh, that's going to do it for Rick and I on this episode. We'll be back in your ear holes tomorrow with Around the Pool. Make sure that you check that out before Clash of Champions. See how we would book the show. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Crunch your fingers. Label me. I don't give a f-
I fucked your bitch and I lied. She was at home with me last night. I'll be your bad guy. Violate! Violate!